Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming out tonight and uh, enjoyed uh, having you here for Monday night worship. Um, as you see by the stage, uh, we're still uh, got a little bit of vacation Bible school going on. All this is coming down tonight, but we had a tremendous week this past week at vacation Bible school. Uh, a little over 300 kids, about another 120 or 25 uh, youth and adult uh, staff. We loved having the opportunity to impact lives for Jesus Christ. The scripture says to us tonight, um, see what love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God. You are my sons and daughters this day. I have chosen you. And as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. And as we follow uh, Christ's example, we, we understand more and more what that means for us to have been chosen by God uh, to be in his family and what it means to share that with others in this family of faith. Let's pray together, shall we? God of majesty and power, you have given us knowledge of yourself and your will in the words of Scripture. Um, however, we confess that so often we ignore your clear teaching about what we should believe and, and do and hope for. Instead, we follow our own impulses and our own dreams. So forgive us, we pray, and open our minds and our hearts tonight uh, to your truth so that we may draw closer to you and your plan and purpose for our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're in the final week of our teaching uh, in, in this series that we've been doing for the month of June called Being an Overcomer, and we've been looking at the life of Moses in the Old Testament book of Exodus and finding lessons that we can learn uh, from his life about being an overcomer in our own time. Today we're going to be looking at criticism, both from the perspective of those who dish it out and those who are on the receiving end, which is often very hurtful uh, words and actions. You know, Moses faced a ton of criticism from the people that he was sent to lead and even from his own family, and he found some practical ways uh, to connect with God in those times and not to let criticism either destroy him or deter him from what he knew he needed to accomplish. And we can learn some important lessons from Moses, and we'll get to all that in a few moments. Pray with me. By singing and praying and clapping and dancing, we bow before you tonight just to thank you for your love and confess our complete dependence on you. There's nothing in this life that we can trust like we can trust you. And so we come together to praise you for your faithfulness to us, for your, uh, the sense of joy and completeness that we feel when we are restored to fellowship with you. Receive us now with whatever we've made of our lives and help us to feel renewed in this service, not, uh, not to be uh, distracted, but to feel renewed and touched in a very special way as we recommit ourselves to you this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot of talk these days about the mean-spirited criticism that we find on social media in late night television and from a variety of comedians and celebrities and so many other places. A month or so ago, I read a Facebook post from someone I know who was encouraging restraint and kindness 
when commenting about one of our local business owners right here in the DeWitt community. Evidently, someone in our community had a little issue with the local establishment and decided to let their emotions fly on Facebook. Can you imagine that? And one of the first responses was from someone who said something to the effect that if a business owner is not responsive to the needs of a customer, they are fair game for any and all comments, including negative bashing of that business on Facebook. And the saddest part of that for me was that I also know the person who made that response. And that person claims to be a follower of Jesus. That's the culture we live in today, isn't it? While Facebook and Twitter and comments on, on, in online websites have provided us with a quick and anonymous way to be critical of other people, harsh and mean-spirited criticism is nothing new. It is well documented that Moses was harshly criticized many times while he was trying to help lead God's people, and that criticism sometimes came from his own people and his own family. The criticism could have destroyed Moses if he had not learned how to overcome it. Tonight we're going to look at the life of Moses one more time and hopefully learn some lessons about criticism in our own lives. The first criticism that Moses uh, faced came immediately after the people, uh, uh, after he led the people out of Egypt. And God had just rescued them uh, at the Red Sea. And Exodus chapter 15 tells the story. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all of his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the water. Now, I find it amazing that just three days after the people had seen the hand of God provide for them through the parting of the Red Sea, a miracle that God did with water, that the people already have lost sight of God's power and God's willingness to provide for them, and are, they're critical of Moses for not giving them water. But it's not just water they're complaining about, it's also food. And this time, when they grumble against Moses, it gets even more personal. In Exodus chapter 16, we read, There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. And if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. 
See, after all that Moses had done to free the people from slavery in Egypt, they had the audacity to tell him that they would have been better off if they had stayed back in Egypt. After all the hard work Moses had put into their freedom, when he clearly had not asked for the job, their words and their attitudes must have hurt him very deeply. The people continued to criticize Moses. Every time something went wrong, the people had, uh, or had some need, they were criticizing and grumbling and complaining again. In Exodus chapter 17, the people needed water again, so they grumbled and were critical of Moses. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai to meet with God, the people criticized Moses because he was taking too long. And it was there at Mount Sinai that the criticism actually turned into rebellion because they took Aaron aside and convinced him that since Moses had been gone for so long, they wanted someone else to lead them and something else to worship. So Aaron and the people made an idol, a golden calf, that they could worship. The people criticized Moses again after the spies came back from the promised land, saying the land was filled with fortified cities and strong enemies. And because they didn't trust God to help them defeat those enemies, the people criticized Moses for bringing them out of Egypt in the first place. Over in the book of Numbers in chapter 14, it continues the story. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So we can see that the criticism Moses faced wasn't a one-time thing. It was an ongoing part of his life. The people constantly criticized Moses for what he did and how he did it. And with conditions as difficult as they were for the people traveling through the wilderness, I'm, I'm sure the criticism was harsh and it was pointed and it was personal. And it wasn't just the people or the crowd's around Moses, it was his family as well. In Numbers chapter 12, it says, while they were at Hezroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? And I love this next sentence because if we read this story, we tend to get caught up in the story and not see this, this short sentence. And the sentence says, but the Lord heard them. Now, we aren't quite sure why his siblings, Miriam and Aaron, were so upset, but it's clear that they're jealous. And so now they start to pick apart Moses' life and Moses' life choices. And while we don't know if Moses ever heard their criticism, we do know that God heard it. Let me just stop there for a moment because while we're going to go on and look at how Moses overcame the criticism, it's important to see that our criticism of other people does not go unnoticed. Have you ever thought about that? Our criticism of others doesn't go unnoticed. God hears it. God hears the words of our hearts. God hears the comments we make under our breath. 
and behind people's backs. And one day we're going to be held accountable for all of it. While we think we can say things anonymously sometimes today, there's really very little communication today that's private. Nothing that we post or tweet or blog or email or even share with others in a personal conversation today is likely to be private. We see that on a daily basis as politicians or celebrities or all kinds of leaders get themselves into trouble for comments they've made while they, that they thought were private. I read the story not long ago of a doctor who was sued for a half a million dollars for comments she made about a patient while he was under anesthesia. See, not many words today are really private. But beyond what might be captured and secured through some type of technology, God will hold us accountable for our critical words and our attitudes, which, which means that we need to guard against that harsh and critical spirit. For Moses, criticism came from every direction, and those words could have destroyed him if, it, if he had not learned to overcome them. So let's go back and look at what Moses did the first time the people were critical and back to Exodus 15 where it says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. For Moses, one of the keys to overcoming criticism was to go to God, to cry out to the Lord. And if we're going to go back and look at every situation where people criticized Moses, uh, I think we're going to find that Moses found strength and power in overcoming that criticism by turning to God first. Moses never allowed the criticism of the people to shift his focus from God. Moses never allowed himself to turn away from God and really consider or spend a lot of time thinking about what people said to him. He kept his focus on God. Moses always looked to God, and Moses always asked God for help and strength and patience that he needed to lead God's people. To overcome the harsh and critical words of others, we also need to look to God first and ask God for the strength and the patience and the truth that is needed to overcome those words we just heard. And the key to overcoming all criticism is not to turn and consider all that's being said to us, but to turn to God first. But let's be honest. That is often not our first response, is it? If you have ever gotten an email that's been harsh or critical, our first impulse it may be to send that quick reply, defending ourselves or advocating our position with some harsh and critical tone in return, isn't it? I will admit that I've done that a few times. Regretfully, I have actually written letters defending myself or the church's decision on something. While I may not try to be intentionally mean-spirited, I'm sure some words were written with a harsh attitude. Fortunately, lately, I, instead of hitting the send button, sometimes I either hit delete or just filed away in my drawer. The ease of communication these days makes the replying in the heat of the moment far too easy, which doesn't allow us to take time to think or to reflect or to ask God for his help and perspective. To overcome criticism, our first response needs to be to stop 
and to pray and connect with God. Before we formulate a response, before we get angry and start defending ourselves, before we hit back with our own criticism, try asking God for strength to hear the truth, patience to deal with others, and the wisdom to know how or even if we should respond. And if we're willing to keep our focus on God instead of turning to consider all the words and attitudes of others, we will experience so much more peace and contentment in our life. You may not believe this, but sometimes pastors get criticized for things we do in ministry. I don't like criticism any more than anyone else likes criticism. Sometimes it hurts, and my immediate reaction is to defend myself. But over the years, I've learned a couple of things. The first is that instead of defending myself, I need to stop and define for myself who God has called me to be. I need to turn in conversation with God and remember who I am and, and who God wants me to be as a pastor. And I, as I do that, my focus begins to shift from the criticism of others to the call of God on my life. My eyes and heart need to go to God. The second thing is to look at Jesus and learn from him how he handled criticism, and that was all of his life. Jesus faced a lot of criticism, and like Moses, he faced it from his adversaries, from his friends, and yes, even from his family. And the brilliance of Jesus is that many times he responded to that criticism not by responding at all, but simply keeping his eyes on his heavenly Father, and then he kept going with his purpose and his plan. At Jesus' trial, when he was criticized and questioned by the religious leaders and the Roman officials, most of the time Jesus just stood there silent. He didn't defend himself. He didn't respond to their words. He simply kept his eyes on God. And turning to God has helped me shift my focus from the problem to the one who provides the solution. I have used this advice more than once. Still have a lot to learn, and many times I don't do it as well as I should. But when criticism has come, I've tried to turn and look at Jesus first and learn from him how and what and if a response is needed. Turning to God first is often not our first response in the face of criticism, but it can be learned if we're willing to discipline ourselves in this area. Moses not only learned to turn to God first, but his in his turning to God again and again, it kept Moses humble. And it was his humility that helped him overcome the criticism. It was in the face of the criticism that Moses uh, 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 faced right from his own family uh, where this, we see this lived out in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Moses was a very humble man. I love this phrase. It says, more humble than anyone else on earth. Wouldn't you love to have that said about you? More humble than anyone else on earth. It's hard to see the humility or meekness in Moses at times because he was this strong and visible and powerful leader. But his humility can be seen in the face of criticism. When people grumbled against Moses, he didn't turn on them. He didn't lash out. He didn't defend himself. He didn't tell everyone how right he was and how much he had done for them and how ungrateful these people were. When the criticism came, he humbled himself and carried that criticism to God. Humility can help us overcome criticism. First of all, it's humility that actually allows us to listen to what others have to say, if there's any truth in their words. 
And the reality is that when the people grumbled against Moses about not having enough food or water, all of that was true. There was no food or water, and so in humility, Moses listened beyond the critical words and carried those concerns of the people to God. And while the attitude of the people may not have been the best, there was truth in what they said. And because Moses could hear the truth, it kept him the criticism from destroying him or causing him to respond in anger. And many times there is truth in what people say to us. And we have to listen hard through the harsh and mean-spirited words sometimes to hear the real concerns, to hear the fears of those who are criticizing us. And if we can hear those concerns and respond in grace to the issues, we'll overcome the criticism and we'll bring about a new sense of peace. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But it's actually very, very difficult to do. It's taken me years to even begin to face criticism and to listen beyond the mean things people say uh, so that I can hear the concern behind it. When I got a letter one day saying that I was doing the work of the devil, I knew that wasn't true. But I did have to stop and ask myself what I was doing. Uh, what, what, was it the right thing for the church? Was it in line with God's will? I needed to be sure that whatever I did was in line with God's purpose and plan. And then I had to evaluate my own heart, my own motivations, my own actions. And if we're willing to be humble before God and others uh, around us, we can diffuse the critical spirit. We can bring about a spirit of cooperation and trust that can help move us forward. A great example of this, I think, is the humility and grace seen by the people of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, just a few years ago. You may remember the story. It was June of 2015, a white supremacist walked into a prayer meeting and murdered nine churchgoers. And in the wake of that mass shooting, we saw a spirit of humility coming from the victims, from the leaders of that church. We also saw people asking themselves what God wanted them to do. And the humility seen in that situation brought about a sense of peace and a spirit of cooperation in that community that many would have said never would have been possible. Humility can diffuse a situation. It can free us from the hold that hate and anger uh, have on us when people become critical. And again, we can look to Jesus to see how his humility helped diffuse some difficult situations in his life. Think about it. When the disciples were critical of Jesus for welcoming children into his presence, Jesus just continued to humble himself and he called children around him and he took the time to bless them. While the disciples were angry uh, uh, and arguing about who was the greatest and, and asking Jesus for special places of honor and power in his kingdom, Jesus was washing their feet, demonstrating to servanthood. Jesus' humility helped him overcome the criticism of those around him, and his own humility filled his life uh, with an overwhelming sense of peace that helped him uh, to deal with more criticism that was to come. It's amazing how humility can help overcome hate and bring us peace. More than, uh, the, and the more we humble ourselves, the more peace that we can have in the face of criticism. It's not that we're weak. It's not that we're allowing ourselves to get beaten up. It actually takes a lot of strength to be, to be humble and listen, and at times let go of the harsh words that others have said about us so overcoming criticism takes humility, and humility is something that we can learn. 
It's actually very easy to learn to be humble. We just need to learn to serve others. That's the key to humility. The more we serve our family, our friends, the more we serve God through the church and help others, the more we move ourselves out of the way and we make room for God in our life. See, the life of Moses shows us that humility is learned through service. Moses was humble because Moses served God. Moses served the people. He gave up his own safety. He gave up his security. He gave up a quiet life as a shepherd to lead God's people out of slavery and through the hardships of the wilderness, and that service worked to keep him humble. The life of Moses shows us that overcoming criticism happens when we look to God first and when we allow the habit of keeping our focus on God to develop that humble spirit in us. And if we can learn this action, and if we can develop that attitude, we will find peace even in the face of persecution. And we will find contentment even in the face of criticism. Let's pray. Lord God, give us uh, ears to hear tonight and eyes to see and an open heart to receive your word to us. Quiet our minds and our hearts and our spirits that we may be attentive to you. Fill us with joyful expectation that we may hear you speaking to us even now. Bend our will to your kingdom purposes that we may happily obey you and transform us by the renewing of our minds so that our life may always display your goodness. Teach us from the life of Moses how to be more like your son, Jesus, and be an overcomer.